This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Enterprise show. I'm Christopher Jones, and joining me this week from our Next Generation show, Earl Grey, is Philip Gilfus. Philip, welcome to the NX01. Well, well, thanks, Chris. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I can't really stand up straight here. It's a little smaller than what I'm used to. And, uh, <laughs> Watch your head. Gosh, okay. But, but it's pretty nice, though. I, I saw one of these once in the... Uh, in the Federation Museum, but uh, I haven't ever touched one before, so it's kind of cool to be here. <laughs> did, did you go there with Counselor Troy? Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime anyone from, you know, my time of the next generation looks at the NX-01, you have to be accompanied by Counselor Troy. It's actually a, a rule. She's actually a docent um, in her spare time because um, she really doesn't spend that much time counseling. So <laughs> That's true. I love that line in These Are the Voyages where she tells Riker that I always wanted to crash one of these ships. Unfortunately, I didn't get to. That's right. Yeah, yeah. if she was on Battlestar Galactica, her name would be Crash. <laughs> That's right. Well, Philip, it seems like I'm just going through the entire Earl Grey crew here. I better call up Darren and see if he's available for next week because Daniel was here with me last week and... And we had a great discussion, and I asked you what you'd like to talk about today, and you're a fun-loving guy, and you came up with this really lighthearted topic for today's show of talking about the hobbies of the NX-01 crew and how they pass their free time on this cramped little ship with no holodeck, of course. Little? Uh, yeah, Chris. I mean, I, I think... <laughs> Because, I mean, to me, my, my, I know everyone has their own kind of way they appreciate the Trek fandom, but but my Trek fandom has always been in-world. Like, you know, you can talk about the behind the scenes and the makeup and the actors, but I don't care about any of that. I, don't, I care about living in the world of Starfleet and the Federation and what it's like to actually be there. And so the topic of, like, what do the people of the first Starship Enterprise do when they're not doing what we see them during the mission, like how do these characters really live? That kind of like was really interested to me about, you know, who are these characters? What do they do when they're not on the bridge and trying to figure out why the captain's chair doesn't feel right? So, yeah, one of Tripp's hobbies apparently is building a better captain's chair. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> it, you can never really get it right. I mean, even even that's right. Captain Kirk missed his old chair, so you know. Well, before we talk about the NX-01 crew themselves, let's talk a little bit about 
how Starfleet crews unwind in the future. So especially the next generation, as well as the original series a bit. Now, your show, Earl Grey, is all about TNG. If you had some free time to pass on the Galaxy-class Enterprise, what would you do and, you know, what's typical for those guys? Holodeck, 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 holodeck. And I mean, that's, that's much it, right? the beginning and the end of, of the recreational time. I mean, you know, one thing about the, the TNG um, show and, and the crew, and, and I know we'll talk about the other series here in a second, um, is, is that I think, you know, absent the captain, you usually saw the crew hanging out together. So, yeah, I mean, right. you know, maybe they'd pair off and do, you know, Sherlock and Watson in the holodeck or whatever, but they'd be playing poker. They'd be, you know, the ladies would be doing their you know, gymnastics, dancing, and but then maybe Worf would teach a class and they would all be there. And and so you, you usually right. just had all these group activities. Yeah, the holodeck was the go-to for them primarily, right? Because you can do anything you want to do there. But you did mention poker. You know, poker in Riker's quarters was really big. Uh, a lot of things in Riker's quarters that are really happened on that ship. Pick. <laughs> but you saw things too, like you mentioned Beverly and Deanna stretching, talking about men, you know, was very much a, a typical thing that, you know, a, a, a stereotypical view, I guess, of what the ladies would be doing in their off hours on the next generation being written in the eighties, like it was. And you see data likes to paint, yeah. you know, uh, Beverly does her theater classes as well. And of course, Picard can fence anytime he wants because he's got that dedicated fencing officer that's always on duty, just waiting for him to come down with the foil. Yes, yes. There's not many people who can be Picard's foil, but that guy, that guy is. <laughs> um, and, and of course, one thing that the Enterprise D has is 10 forward. It's this whole place to just go hang out and chill. Um, you know, right. guy in court. I mean, everyone, you know, everyone knows, but, but I mean, that's that whole place, which was introduced till season two, but still just a designated place to just sit, have a drink, look out the window and wait for your problems to be solved. And that was kind of like on the original series, you would occasionally see the crew together in what I, I guess you would call the mess hall. It's a rec room, a mess hall. Yeah. And, you know, Uhura would sing, Spock would play his harp. They would jam, Chris. They would, uh, they would. Yeah, they would jam, space jam. I mean, it's not as great as the way to Eden. Now, those guys could really jam. But uh, the Enterprise crew tried to do it from time to time, too. Sniff man putting my mind in jail in the postgame. And he <laughs> says, no bail. I could do the whole thing. I'm not going to. I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Because we were talking about Picard and fencing, and now we were talking about TOS. You know, Greg Cox just wrote this book, No Time Like the Past, where... Seven of Nine goes back into the 23rd century and meets Kirk. We need to have a Picard meets Sulu novel because they're both into fencing. Why has no one thought about that? They have been, Chris. They have. It's in, I want to say, Q Squared, the novel, where Commodore Sulu is fencing with Captain Picard, I think. I forgot about that. Yeah, I have not read Q Squared since it came out, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. It's actually really about good, that. Okay, really so they book. have. Well, there you go. So if you want to get your fencing on, bridging centuries. It's a good audible it right suggestion. There. It is. That's a Peter David book, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, well, let's go on to the NX01 now, since this, of course, is our enterprise show. They didn't have holodecks. They 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 didn't have uh, you know giant restaurants like Ten Forward to go hang out in either. So they had to find things that they could do together. And one of those things was, of course, movie night, which was a big thing for the Voyager crew as well. But movie night was a special time for the Enterprise NX-01 crew. And there were some great moments on there because you got to see how T'Pol and Phlox as the aliens on the ship kind of fit into that human activity. Yeah, and, and I think my favorite part is, you know, it's a small ship, the NX-01. There's bound to be some, you know, men and women and men and men and women, whatever, whatever, who want to, you know, get to know each other. But but what excuse you're going to have to do? Hey, movie night. Crewman Cutler, would, would you like to, um, would you like to go to the movies with me? <laughs> and then there you go. I mean, this is, this is a great opportunity. It really is. It facilitates date night. Yes. On the enterprise. So, they, you know, Trip was a big aficionado of horror films. So Frankenstein was was a big thing on there. Bride of Frankenstein, I think, Son of Frankenstein as well. I believe they showed when they they're the, the best the, horror movies there ever were. <laughs> that's right. So, so that was good. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of them having a movie night, not not only on the NX01 but on Voyager as well, because Voyager was also a smaller ship. It's a great way to bring everybody together. Right. Well, both ships very uh, fans of the black and white um, serials, you know, so, you know, mm-hmm. Captain Proton, whatever. But but yeah, I mean, I think because it's interesting as as Enterprise um, evolved, like you, you actually saw, sort of saw the invention of movie night. And then there were just callbacks throughout the, the series, you know, when they were in the catwalk. And they're like, oh, you know, man, the crew's getting restless, Captain. What should we do? I know. Let's do movie night every night. You know, so <laughs> right. So hashtag movie night. Um, and then you saw it. But like you said, Chris, it was a great way for the aliens to explore and to build the relationships um, and all that. Because we got to see, you know, flocks <laughs> kind of looking around at like his enjoyment was not the movie, but watching everyone else watching the movie. Because right. he's a kind of a creepster. Um, and then to Paul, I don't know, you know, you just saw her evolution of, of appreciating movie night because really the story arc of to Paul is her appreciation of movie night to go from zero to mostly tolerable. <laughs> which is, which is, is quite a distance to cover <laughs> for her. Right now, Flocks was the guy in the movie theater that sits behind you and talks the whole time and you can't get him to shut up. Right. Yeah. The, it reminds me, I mean, not to do too many callbacks. It reminds me of the, the West wing uh, TV series from the nineties where president Bartlett had the uh, movie theater in the, in the white house and he would talk the whole time because guess what? No one's going to tell the president to be quiet. So, but yeah, you have flocks. Right. He's sort of the resident <laughs> alien, which you know, to Paul too, but you know, you know, flocks, you're not doing it right. He's like, oh, I'm enjoying it. I'm eating popcorn. It's cool. What was funny with the two of them in the movie setting was that they were the two extremes of us, right? The person who talks through the movie, the person that wants you to shut up so that they can pay attention to the movie. And then there was that time when T'Pol's communicator went off in the middle of the movie. That's just, it's just rude commander, (laughs) subcommander. You know, this is not, she has a lot to learn. 
Right, right. So you you mentioned the catwalk and movie night there, but another thing that we see them do in the catwalk that we don't really get to see much is that they have the card games as well. Although their card games reminded me a little bit more of Battlestar Galactica than the next generation. That's right. Um, you know, more table throwing, I guess, is that that's usually <laughs> the call of the day for it. No, no. Yeah. Well, well, I feel like, you know, when you're writing a Star Trek series, especially when Enterprise was done, there has to be sort of like a list and the list grows longer with each Star Trek series of you can't do a poker game because we did that in TNG and, you know, you can't have them play baseball. You know, you can't, we, we've done this stuff, but, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was, I mean, the catwalk is an interesting episode because I mean, this whole thing of what we're talking about, about hobbies is because look, they're in the ship, which it's, it's a small ship and I'm not just saying it cause I'm from the 24th century, but it's just, it's like a submarine, right? Cause it's the feeling you're supposed to feel. And right. I, you know, I've never been in the Navy or in the submarine, but at least being in a, in a deployed environment when I was in the army, I can tell you, you know, you get bored and it's the same people you see every day who, you know, are not your family, but there's nowhere you, you just can't go on vacation. You can't drive somewhere else. You're stuck with these people, you know, the whole time. And so you got to find something to keep yourself busy. And I think that's the cat wall explored that look, you know, are we going to go stir crazy or you have to find some way to right. release and, and have some fun and recreation here. Although barbecuing in closed quarters is not the best option for for activities, right? But those uh, at least those were aliens who were barbecuing in the catwalk. Oh well, you know, Chris, I was always taught by my parents never to judge a species by what they eat. Well, one way you know that the NX01 wasn't built in Alabama. Now, now you're from the South. That's right. I'm I'm originally from the South. If we built these starships in the South, we would have dedicated barbecue facilities on the ships. And of course, each section of the deck would have a different barbecue. Because when you say barbecue, I think something comes in your mind. When I say barbecue, something else I'm sure comes in my mind. When Matt Rushing mm-hmm. says barbecue, some god awful thing comes into his mind. So, you know, <laughs> you have to have those, you know, so it, you know, adds to the spice of life. It does. Now, you also mentioned, like, you can't do baseball because we did that on Deep Space Nine. And you can't do poker games because we did those on The Next Generation. I think that's where, by the time we get to Enterprise, you know, like, the list is getting thin. And that's why they turn to water polo. Like, the list of sports that you can pull in. Like, the big ones are all gone. How about water polo? Maybe maybe someone should have been into curling. <laughs> Oh, I, I can just see like, you know, Lieutenant Reed just walks into his armory one day like, sir, why, why is it completely iced over? And, you know, sorry, Malcolm, we're, we're curling. You know, didn't you get the memo? I'm, I'm rather put off by all this. And he says, Captain, those aren't stones. Those are mines. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So, so water po- we'll talk more about water polo mm-hmm. when we get to Archer in just a minute. One more group activity that we do see is basketball, which they're playing at the beginning of the forge. Right. And this, I mean, that's, you don't see much basketball in Star Trek. You don't, I mean, and I, which I know is because we only see it in Enterprise, but like, it's an odd sport. I mean, especially um, in the cargo bay, like, or whatever that it was 
whatever it was there in, in the I Enterprise. Think it was a cargo bay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's not many empty rooms in the NX-01 because, again, it's a small ship. But, yeah, it was, it was interesting because they only showed it once. And I think one thing about um, Enterprise is that they didn't, never had a reoccurring thing. Like, you know, right. in, in TOS, they were playing chess all the time. We said poker game. Um, uh, Voyager, you had the Tiki Lounge or the uh, – or the Santa Dreams, or whatever. Um, and you're the orb guy. I wouldn't pretend to, to, to talk about DS9 when you're here. Um, but, but you know, but I, they never really showed. The, so I thought it was kind of cool to watch them play basketball. And apparently, Phlox is the, oh, I'm not that modern. I don't know, James Worthy. I don't know. What's the 21st century comparison here? But Phlox is the man you want on, on your team. Here's Philip. Flox was the he's the Larry Bird. Yes. He's the Julius Irving of <laughs> an XO one. Sports ball. Philip, Philip, you do know that the Hornets are no longer in Charlotte. They are, they just right? changed the name back. I do know that. I, I know that one. But it's not the original Hornets team. No, I know. I'd... No. All right. So well well, let's go on and talk about the individual crew members' hobbies, and let's start with the captain himself, Archer. Which and of course he's into water polo as we were just discussing. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about his changing hairstyle hobby. I mean that was kind of my favorite. <laughs> Do I part on the left? Do I part on the right with some gel? But but yeah, I, it, like you said, it was an interesting kind of random. But I, but I I think I read something about you know one of the producers had a son or something that played water polo. But but it, it was it was weird at one time. But on the other hand, it was like. Oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, I'm interested. I don't know much about water polo. I'll go with it. I, I, it's quirky. You know, it's it's kind of Cisco with his baseball there. You have, you know, Archer with his polo ball banging against the wall. It's kind of like Picard with fencing, which, of course, on the timeline in-universe, that comes much later. But in terms of actual creative production of Star Trek, Picard came long ago before Archer. And he had this unusual hobby and now Archer has this unusual sporting hobby as well. And I say unusual, not that there's something super strange about water polo, but you know, it's an Olympic sport. It's, it's one of these small programs in the university that always gets overlooked because the football program, the basketball program, those are the two big ones. Then maybe baseball, depending on what part of the country you're in, you know, maybe ice hockey if you're up North and and water polo is one of those things. So it's nice to know that a hundred years from now, that universities are still able to fund these Olympic sports. Well, the economics of the university system are somewhat different in the 22nd century. But um, <laughs> we're going to have the guy from upstate New York who then lived in San Francisco and it's water polo. Like, really? Not, not baseball or football it's it's water polo but but i did like that but the well the thing is that he apparently went to university in california and he played water polo and this is the interesting thing too about because usually when you think california and you think star trek you're like oh they were at the academy but the academy is somewhat different in the enterprise time period because starfleet as we know it isn't really there yet and I don't think we ever find out exactly which university Archer attended, but he's a fan of Stanford, the Stanford Cardinal. And the match that he and Tripp watched together in Voxola is the 2151 finals 
between Stanford and the University of Texas. So maybe he Hook went. Horns. He act, maybe Archer actually went to Stanford and and was on the water polo team there. Yeah, and I think the one thing about and this may sound stupid and obvious, but I'll say it anyway. I mean, the whole point about these hobbies for for the different characters here in Enterprise is that it it adds something. You know, it's not just he sits in the captain's chair and that's who Captain Archer is. Like, no, he's a, he's a regular human being, and and learning about his what he does in his free time kind of makes him a more interesting person, and so. Water polo, I mean, yeah. that is not a easy sport. I mean, that's a, a, no. a stamina and intensity. Yeah. Though, like Tripp said, I, I just thought it was a bunch of guys playing around in a pool. But, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's the water polo for Archer. Now, you made a list of different hobbies. And I love that the next thing you listed for Archer after water polo is dog carrying. Well, I mean, I think that has to count as something that he does in his free time. Again, when you're not doing your Starfleet job, what are you doing on this on this ship that's hurtling through space? And he has a dog, and he, you know, I, I you know, he plays with him and doesn't, you know, teases him with cheese pieces, and and I, I don't know where he takes him on a walk. We're never shown that part, much like we never see the humans use certain facilities and never see the dogs either. Um, well, except when they're on planets. Well, except for that yes, one time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that makes, you know, again, tells you something about Archer, which I, I know we've already done the Archer episode here on, on Warp 5, but I mean, the fact that he has a dog and what that tells you about Archer, I think is, is definitely yeah. cool. You know, Sulu had his pet plant and Archer has his <laughs> pet dog. So, you know. Which looked strangely like a hand inside a pink glove. <laughs> Gertrude. Feed me, Sulu. <laughs> so, but the thing about Archer and these hobbies is that I feel like we, once again, and this may be a recurring theme today as we talk about the characters, I feel like we didn't learn enough about him because he has to have more hobbies than just water polo and taking care of his dog. But we don't know much else. Now, we, we know that as a kid, he did other things. You know, Carol Marcus said that Jim Kirk may have been many things, but he was never a Boy Scout. But in the case of Archer, he really was a Boy Scout. He actually was an Eagle Scout when he was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I can def- What do you think his Eagle Project, Eagle Scout Project? You know, you have to do a project. I wonder what his project would have been. Maybe he built a doghouse. Oh, yeah. That, that, or, or maybe like, he, maybe he <laughs> built the Zephyrin Cochran statue. Like in Montana, that was his Eagle Scout project. <laughs> that was it. All right. So so we don't really know much else about him. Uh, unless pissing off Vulcans counts as a hobby, because that's something that we know at least from the time of the NX program in First Flight up through the beginning of Broken Bow and on through the first season. That was something that he seemed to, to really, really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would almost suggest that, like, late at night, he'd be writing down insults for Vulcans, but then we see later that he's not a great writer when he has to write that letter. So I guess, I don't know. Maybe he's, oh, that's he's more right. of an improv yeah. guy, maybe. That's what he, a lot of yes anding with the uh, Vulcan ambassador. Maybe. You know, that sounds like an idea that the UPN executives would have come up with because you know the story, right, about the the UPN executives who suggested that they have different boy bands perform in the mess hall each week on Enterprise 
like actual bands as a way of cross promoting. And Brandon had to tell them, you, you, you've seen the show, right? No, not really. It's set on a spaceship <laughs> in space. Where are we going to pick up the bands? I think that uh, an improv club on the ship, you know, I had a friend that I used to work with who, who liked to do improv comedy and he would go and he would, you know, go to breweries, small venues where they would have people come in, you know, not, not people who were trying to actually make a career as a stand up comic, but just, just for fun, you know, would come in and do that. I could see something like that on the NX01 where they had improv night. Well, you know, I was listening um, to the episode because of course my, my co-host was on there and also because I listen to the show every week um, is, and you were talking about cargo runners and the boomers and, what could they be holding in that cargo? This is what it is, Chris. What does Earth have to um, export to the rest of the universe? Improv performers and boy bands. And that's what the, <laughs> that is what's in those cargo holds. That makes sense to me. I mean, like here in Japan, you know, the concept of the sitcom, like the American sitcom, is just something that we don't have. And so American sitcoms are popular here because there really aren't any Japanese sitcoms for you to watch. You know, it's not like with with England, you have English comedies and you have American comedies and they have their own flavors, but, you know, the format is kind of similar. We don't have that. So, yeah, I get that. Maybe, yeah, comedy exports. That's right, you know. To the Vega colony, yeah. It's sort of like, they're, you know, the ship could be like you have, you know, the horizon, but then you have the whose line is it anyway ship, and that's kind of the one that's <laughs> the shipping the performer. So, yeah. Yeah, where the warp factor doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> Much like the original series, the warp factor doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's move on to Trip Tucker then. And the first thing you listed as a hobby for Trip is eating. Eating peaches, eating pecan pie, eating key lime pie. And of course, pan fried catfish. Now, Chris, and, and I'm not going to, you know, indulge in any stereotypes but being from the south we have buffets and we are very proud of our buffet restaurants and you know i don't know for those who who can't obviously most everyone who can't see this right now chris and i you know we're we're regular size you know we're not but they're perhaps chris where where you grew up and certainly where, where i am here in north carolina and the various parts of the state there are not a lot of thin uh guys that are around here that are native southerners and because we like our eating look i like my barbecue i like my iced tea i like my hush puffies i like all those things and we we eat down here in the south and so i think that's what trip being being a good southerner there from panhandle or northern florida you know he likes to eat i get it yeah yeah i agree with you on that i remember in when i was in university at alabama you know tuscaloosa is a college town and like you say the buffets so many small joints you just go into, and what are your options? You can have a meat and two side dishes, mostly fried, <laughs> and some cornbread. And it's like $2.50 back in the early 90s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of like that whole trope of like, you know, the old Western where someone goes in the bar and like, I'll have a milk and everyone looks at them and like, you get out of here. It's like you go up to that buffet and be like, I'll have a salad. And like suddenly the music stops playing. Right. You must be from up the Yankee way. <laughs> That's right. So, so yeah, I get it. The trip was really, really into, into eating um, a lot of, of kind of random items. I loved his pies. 
apparently the pan fried catfish thing was always <laughs> great as well. Beyond that, um, playing harmonica was something that he was apparently into, which we found out in Precious Cargo. Yeah, yeah, I, I love. I, cause that, again, that's a, so it's an, a random trait. You know, you have this brilliant engineer who loves, you know, probably growing up taking things apart and is, you know, at his Florida home and and probably being a terror to his parent. But um, but not only is he an engineer, he's a musician. And 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 the harmonica is, is is an interesting instrument, Chris, especially when you're in a long voyage and you need that something portable, right? It's not like Harry Kim right. who can just replicate his clarinet, right? You have to be able to just <laughs> NXO one, no frills, all the space is filled. What's the smallest instrument you have? Harmonica. Can you imagine Trip Tucker being a clarinetist? <laughs> Well, it's like my daddy always said, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> I just can't, I can't picture that. But the harmonica, you know, it seems like it might be a random thing. But actually, yeah, I think as a Southerner, it was a pretty good choice. You know, it is the kind of thing that, that you know, I mean, I knew people like that that would carry around. And even if you had an instrument, like you picture Harry Kim, like he's probably like a classical clarinetist. But in the South, you know, you you do know people who do have a clarinet around, but they're playing jazz. You know, they're playing Dixieland on it. And so I, I can get that with Trip as well. Well, well Chris, Chris, you, you can't dance to Dixieland. So, you know, we only play songs you can dance to in the Riker method. <laughs> I want to see Riker and Cisco having a little, a little ditty off because they both like to sing ditties while they cook. And then I think you could throw Trip in there as well. I've never thought about this before. You could throw Trip in there as well, and he could play the harmonica. Right. Um, would Uhura be on vocals? Yeah, I think so. Uhura on vocals. You could have a whole Star Trek band. This is a... F Spock on the Vulcan harp, though. I don't know. I think they'll kick him out of the band. Uh, well, creative differences. It happens. I think Spock is the yeah. fifth Beatle. But Riker on trombone. Mm -hmm. That'll work out pretty well. You know, as far as other hobbies, and this is, again, a thing that I said with Archer, like I feel like we didn't find out enough about him. I feel with Trip as well, even though I feel like Trip is one of the most fleshed out characters on Enterprise, I still feel like he also should have had more hobbies, more things that we that we knew about. I, I you know, I picture him as being a tinkerer, kind of like a MacGyver guy who, because he loves the engines and he can fix anything. He's, he's like Scotty in that respect. I feel more so than Jordy. Like, I don't feel like Jordy is so much one who tinkers with things. I feel like Jordy is more the, the intellectual warp theory that this is how all the technology works together. So, so I, I imagine that Tripp has a lot of hobbies. I can picture him when he's off duty building things. And, and just messing around. Like, he's the guy who's going to build the gaming PC, right? He's not the Mac guy. He's the guy that's going to build the custom Windows box. And and, and actually, he's probably going to put Linux on it. Right, he's the one that's going to be like, oh, you're just throwing your money away. Look, you, you give it to me. Just buy me the parts. Labor's free. We'll get it there. <laughs> Absolutely. And then also, does getting pregnant with alien women, except where you're the one who's actually going to carry the baby, does that count as a hobby? Well, I th I think it does, Chris. I mean, you know, if we were having 
um, you know, obviously we have a certain rating here. I think it's five. Um, is is you'd have the the centerfold of trip and under hobbies it would be ladies I think you know in parentheses and then it would be eating and, and everything else so yeah I mean you know <laughs> well, and, and I know you've discussed you know we discussed it a million times here on Warp Five that Trip is the most human life loving guy there is here on the crew right and so you know ladies food it's all you know. I forget which ego, super ego, id, whatever that falls under, but he just, he, everything life has to offer, he enjoys it in a responsible way. Yeah, I think that describes him pretty well. Well, let's go on to his girlfriend, to Paul. His boo. Because <laughs> as a Vulcan, of course, to Paul is really into meditation. But um, you, you wrote down something that I didn't really even think about. She likes to experiment with tea. That's right. And, and coming from a podcast called Earl Grey, I know about tea because Good point. I had some tea yes. today. I could have sworn it was Dirgeling, but but they, they told me. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we see T'Pol. And again, the whole, and you, you know, y'all, you're the expert, um, but, but with the, the T'Pol storyline, the arc about, you know, her becoming, um, I don't want to say more human, but, but certainly more open to things. In and, touch and, with her emotions. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Her Romulan half, and that's which, uh, of course, comes from Manny Koto's magic bag of hindsight. Exactly, um, but yeah, because you know she's just drinking the regular, you know, tea, tea, uh, the Vulcan tea, you know, not which is we can all assume is not much going on there. But she starts to introduce a little bit of flavor, you know, starts to go with the chamomile, the mint, really adventurous. Yeah, you know, it reminds yeah. me, and I don't know what they have in Japan, Chris, but kind of the things that's getting popular around here in, in the u.s it's kind of these little bottle bottles that you kind of squirt into your water to add flavor and so i almost feel like yeah. that's that's kind of like you know to paul like oh, i got my regular tea here let, let me uh let me human it up a bit <laughs> there, a little mint there though of course i think the problem chris is that mint and chamomile was not strong enough and she eventually went for a stronger additive that's right. That's right. Yeah. Chamomile is not going to knock your socks off. Mint can be pretty strong. But the other thing that I wrote down as a hobby for T'Pol was recreational drug use. Yeah. Yeah. Kids, l listen, listen to your Uncle Chris and Uncle Philip. You know, stay away from the Trillium D. It's, it's, it's going to just bad things. I mean, do you want to be a zombie? Do you want to be a zombie? Nobody wants that. But I will say in that, in all seriousness, and as I've talked about on here before when we talked about T'Pol, I did like the fact that the writers went there with the character because, first of all, it's very unusual for a Vulcan, and it actually gave us something new to explore with Vulcans. But I also like the fact that they actually addressed drug addiction in Star Trek seriously, and they did it with one of our main characters instead of it being the aliens like on the next generation with symbiosis where you have like the the dependency on the drug going on which is fine i mean that that's fine too but it was our crew was clean from that right and then these other people had to had this problem but here they actually went there and said no this is one of our people they actually really have this problem yeah and i think and this isn't the tapal episode because you've done that already but i, I think you know one of the challenges i've always had with tapal is is that she certainly seemed to show more emotion than maybe, you know, season one, I was seeing emotion, like maybe season four. But I think the the larger point of T'Pol was that 
and from the writer's standpoint and from the character standpoint, you know, how can we get her to be more emotional? She's a full Vulcan. She's not Spock, you know, half human. Um, well, maybe if we give her this, 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 this drug and that will force her to be more emotional and that'll be something else that we can see her struggling with not being around humans and, and which we've said a million times here in Warp 5, I know, but, but that definitely was, I think, a, an interesting storyline and, and it was handled well, like you said. I mean, other than the Resident yeah. Evil episode. Um, but, but, but the, her personal one of Trillium D and, and mind melding and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, was, was definitely something. Um, and, and the way that the crew cared for her when she, well, I think I was going to say admitted is more revealed. Um, but that what was going on. Yeah. I, I don't know what else they would have done. So, so moving on from, from the drug use here and just talking about hobbies, I don't know what else they would have really done with T'Pol in terms of hobbies. Again, I feel like we don't know much about what she liked to do in her spare time, but she's a Vulcan. And so if we look at the other Vulcans, uh, you know, like what did Tuvok like to do? Meditate. Did. Uh, he ran a candle emporium, apparently. He liked to do PowerPoint presentations. And he liked to, you know, dream up scenarios that might take place on the ship and create holographic simulations. Basically, he was into meditation and his work. And I feel like that's what the Vulcans are. You know, Spock, early on, Spock plays the, the Vulcan harp that we talked about, but we really don't see that later on. What else is he into? You know, he likes chess, right? Chess, yeah, yeah that's a good point. Right. And those types of very, you know, uh, mentally challenging activities, I suppose. And I mean, he played a mean uh, connect know, four. I, I guess I don't know if you you saw that part. <laughs> he yeah, did in the in the rec room there in the original series. It was kind of in the back during yeah. a scene, but yeah. Of course, on Star Trek, it was it was Connect Twelve, and it was three dimensional. Gosh, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out the rules. One of these days, I wonder why no one was ever into hungry, hungry hippos in Star Trek. Well, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't need to tell you, Chris, that in Star Trek Four, it was either go back and save the hippos or save the humpback whales, and, <laughs> and Kirk and company made a choice, right. and so hippos, I'm afraid, did not make it past the 20, 22nd or 23rd century. so Right, because they couldn't find that line, hippos weep not, to base the whole story exactly. around. So, All right. Well, let's move on to Travis Mayweather, the character who is generally seen as underused on this show. Travis actually, I think in this sense, maybe has more character <laughs> than the others when it comes to hobbies and and having a good time. Chris, did you know Travis was born in space? Really? I, I did not know yeah. that. He's never mentioned it before. Oh, well, he's, he likes to keep it quiet. <laughs> so, so Travis likes rock climbing. He likes spelunking, which we find out in two days and two nights and the breach. And so, so physical activities, of course, these are things you can't do on the ship. This is why he would have loved living in the 24th century, right? Because he could actually do these things on the ship or he could be like Miles and, you know, injure his arm, kayaking. It, it, holodeck would have been absolutely perfect for Travis. Yeah. I mean, he had to wait to go to Risa for, you know... 12 years apparently it took them to go to Risa. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me like, we're going to go to Risa, guys. And then the next episode, guys, we're almost to Risa. And then the next episode, like, I can see 
Ryza's right there. And then finally they go to Ryza. But um, yeah, and of course Travis gets injured, a la O'Brien, too. Um, so yeah, which I mean, in some ways it does make sense because Travis is the youngest, I mean, other than Hoshi. He's, he's the, right. one of the youngest, and so he's going to be a little more active than these other folks. Um, though it is in some ways surprising having been, and I don't know if you knew this, born in space. Um, you know, he's <laughs> not necessarily, like, again, kind of a, a starting environment. Not a lot of places to be active, but, I mean, I guess, was he playing, when they showed his family on the horizon, were they, like, playing football or something? They're playing know? football, yes. I love yeah. that. Because a big cargo ship, and you've got all that empty space, Plus the low gravity, and uh, you could, you know, I mean, how far could Peyton Manning throw a football on the horizon? <laughs> see, see, yeah, that that's 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 good. that's a very good question. Oh, sorry, let me put it in your time frame. <laughs> you Philip. mean Joe Montana? How far could Joe Montana throw a football? <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, that's that's, that's oh, and that I Terry understand. Bradshaw man, he can really <laughs> fling the pigskin. <laughs> Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely. Though I have to admit, if if you train in in that kind of gravity environment, like when Travis mm-hmm. hits planet side, he's like Superman. You know, it's like right. living in Colorado yeah, yeah. here in, in the states and mile high where there's little oxygen running, and like you go to some place that's a little lower elevation, you're like king of the run track there. Yeah, yeah. So so Travis had these hobbies; those were great. And an- another thing that he liked to do. As you wrote down, chilling in the sweet spots. <laughs> well, when you're born in space, there's some things that only you know about. And that's, you know, finding the sweet spot in a ship. And and I'm sure everyone, all the listeners know, but for those who have forgotten, this is the spot in the ship where science, 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 um, gravity works backwards. And so you're basically on the top of the ceiling. Lionel Richie, right? That's that. That's what you do. You're walking on the ceiling. Um, and, oh, what a feeling. <laughs> Dancing on the ceiling. Um, and so, and, and we actually see like in Broken Bow, because they want to let you know he was born in space, they show that. But even I think later, we know that's kind of his, his place to, you know, think and have Travis time. And he does invite some other people up there occasionally. So, you know. Yeah, that's something I assume he continued doing. We didn't get to see it very often. It was a nice thing to throw in there. I, I liked it because it did give us that, that feeling that this is an early ship. But I, I don't know that it's something that they would have, if they had gone to it regularly, it might have started to feel a little bit strange. That like every other episode, there's the scene of just Travis sitting up there on the ceiling with one of the other crew members as they chat. I would have appreciated the continuity if like every time they showed it, there's like an extra, like there's like a chair up there. The next time there's like a table and the next time <laughs> there's like a flower, you know, just adds to it. You know, it's like a treehouse. Everyone, everyone, every boy needs a treehouse, Chris. They keep adding things. By the end of the series, it is like an entire treehouse fully furnished up there. Yeah, and you never saw Hoshi or T'Pol because there was actually a sign that said no girls allowed. So (laughs) no girls allowed. Yeah. yeah, So. (laughs) Oh, man. The other thing he did was he played practical jokes around the ship. And we did get to see one of these in Dead Stop. Yeah, where, I mean... Again, Travis is the young guy. So when you're when you're the ensign, right? Just ask Harry. When when you're the ensign, you're not going to pick on the captain, right? You're not going to pick on the commander. You got to pick on other ensigns because uh, you can't pick on the crewman because you're an officer, right? You got to pick on the other ensigns, the, the ensigns club. And who was everyone's other favorite ensign? Hoshi Sato. And so he convinced Hoshi that this 
this is a new life form. Hoshi, we, we just, oh, we just beamed this up and we need you to be able to talk to it. And it's actually Jello. It's, it's Jello. It's Jello. But, but I got her, I got her for a week. So that was their April <laughs> Fools. It was almost like Enterprise's saved by the bell moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was the part because, yeah, because I remember Travis looking at us and going, time out. And then it kind of went from there. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. <laughs> All right. Well, the the next person that we'll talk about is Phlox, the Denobulan doctor. And he actually had quite a few hobbies, some of which I think took place late in the night. And we we did an episode on here um, a couple of shows ago. We talked about undeveloped stories, and there was this undeveloped story that would have been like a oh, Dr. Yes. Frankenstein-type story mm-hmm. with Phlox. And I think I called that episode Phloxenstein, actually. And one thing that you listed here as a hobby for him is animal husbandry. And I, I picture him just, if he were just slightly more demented... I can only imagine what kinds of experiments he would do and what kind of creatures he might try to create as a is hobby, this a, of course. Is this Dr. Floxrose Flum, Island? Is that what we're doing? Dr. So, Floxrose um, Island, yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, he's... Well, you know, especially, Chris, if he was all alone and we know how Flox can get when he doesn't have anyone else to talk to, he starts to go a little up there you know and so he could start doing you know making those animals be the crew and dress them up in little uniforms and it, <laughs> it, it just it would be a dark space that's all i'm saying so just thank goodness thank goodness it didn't happen i just pictured his bat flying by with a little blue jumpsuit on <laughs> right right yeah oh and so, goodness. yeah nice nice the armholes of course have been modified so the wings well, I it would be the, these are the voyages one and have the little kind of clips there on the shoulder so he could hold on okay. to it. Yeah. And of course, a very, very tiny slip on for Sluggo. <laughs> right. It was actually the first cat suit with Sluggo. And not many people know that. <laughs> it was tight. Yeah. All right. So, so it, you know, learning about animals and, and, studying the animals and he uses them in his in his medicine in very unique ways and so i i think that qualifies as a hobby right. i guess i mean it, it is it is his profession but you know often we blur the lines between our hobbies and our professions um just like we do here on trek fm <laughs> now flax had other hobbies as well uh, one of them is that like data mm-hmm. a tng reference for you he had a pen pal that's right, um, and uh, we just talked about that so, on Earl Grey, so I'm, I'm, I'm laughing to myself. Um, but yeah, he had um, uh, the, the, the his doctor friend, Doctor Lucas, um, who was his pen pal because they were both part of the um, medical exchange program, and so he you know, each learning about the other species, and and I thought it was it was definitely a, a I mean obviously it was a good story way to tell a story when you're writing a letter it's you know certainly not the first time it's ever been used but but i think it did show that you know it kind of bridges the 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 line between now and the 22nd century because you know we would think oh you know subspace communication but i mean this is all still new the nx01 is still on the frontier you know the, the distances are real between 
what you've left behind and what you are. And so that those pen pal letters kind of it sets up a good correspondence and allows, you know, you a way to keep the mind going. And, you know, when you're got some free time, sit down and, you know, write, write a letter to, to your, you know, whether it's, whether it's answering like Dr. Flox his pen pal, whether it's trip talking about, you know, poop questions to fifth graders, it's whatever, whatever letter you need to write. It actually was a nice story element in Enterprise that he did this, and it's one that I think that they could have used more often because Flux's role was, in a way, I guess it was more like, as opposed to T'Pol, it was more like the Data character for the next generation or Spock for the original series or maybe the Doctor on Voyager a bit as well, maybe Neelix a little bit, maybe the doctor, but it's that, you know, that outside view and, and Odo on deep space nine in the first season, especially was like Spock data character of commenting on humans and exploring humans from the third person perspective. And the way that Flux got to do that often was through these letters that he would write to Dr. Lucas. And the narrative was really interesting. And I think they could have gone to that more often. And, yeah, and made that more part of his character. When I was looking this stuff up, I, th- I was thinking like, oh, there's probably like three or four times he wrote this letter. But I think there's like two mentions and then you actually meet him. I'm like, oh, I thought it, I thought it was like yeah. much more than that. So uh, another thing that I picture him, a serious one here that I picture him having as a hobby that isn't really spelled out in the series, but would just be learning about other cultures because he and T'Pol as the two aliens on the ship, you know, they eat together and, but they have very, very different views of how they are going to blend into the alien crew. One thing that Flox is always encouraging T'Pol to do is to try new things, you know, try different foods and learn more about other cultures. And so I picture that as really being a hobby of his, that, that he just loves to learn new things. He's a xenophile. He's a xenophile. Yeah, that's right. Uh, not to be confused with X Files. That's different. Um, but yeah, he again, he's almost like Trip in that way. I mean, Flux also enjoys life and and takes everything life has out there, but he does it in a very denobulant way. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, and I think that is it is a great hobby of his that he is always open and seeking out new experiences and 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 trying to date medical crewmen. It, it, and, and I think it really adds a lot to his character. Well, come on. Wouldn't you try to date Cutler if, if you were on the NX-01? I would. It's, Cutler is, she's my Robin Leffler of Enterprise. <laughs> oh. Now, do you, you, and, and I've heard you say this, which makes me wonder whether we eventually will find out what your um, uh, Voyager, um, Deep Space Nine, and TOS crushes are. Oh, good question. Okay, I'll have to get back to you on those. Okay. Oh, don't forget the animated series as well. That's Well, I, I assumed it was something that's fluorescently colored. <laughs> or something pink, like so much of the animated <laughs> series. <laughs> I'm sure your answer will be perfect. <laughs> okay, uh, one more thing that I noted as, um, well, actually, you mentioned this as well. As a hobby of Flocks, apparently, is earning graduate degrees because he has 12 of them in all. He has six in interspecies veterinary medicine. Plus he has one each in dentistry, hematology, 
botanical pharmacology, psychiatry, and then there's that one mystery degree, which I think is in toenail clipping. Oh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I would not want to see what the uh, thesis for that is, but I, I could definitely see it. <laughs> well, you know, as as a, and I don't know what the term would be here. Um, well, in the 21st century, we call this heavily in debt, but in the 22nd century, it's called a lifelong learner. And as one of those, um, you know, I, I have my undergrad, I have my master's, I have a JD, and I can certainly, you know, once this thing called money comes and arrives, I could see me definitely pursuing some other ones. Um, and, and I can definitely see it. I mean, that is a, a hobby. And again, that's his, his character of being, you know, wanting to learn everything and, and every, all those degrees yeah. that he has. We see it. I mean, it's not like we he just, you know, like, oh, I have, it's, it just kind of reminds me of Quantum Leap where Dr. Sam Beckett, who I forget who he was played by, <laughs> had all these degrees that would come up throughout the series. Um, but it's kind of the same thing here. Like it was psychiatry because he does the sexual tension and, and firm, you know, uh, talking about animals and talking about plants. You, you see him practicing that every, every day there on the NXO one. And unlike Jadzia or Dax, I mean, Jadzia lists all these degrees that she has, but they were earned by various hosts over many years. Phlox did it all himself, and he's got a lot of years ahead of him too. So, I think Dax, probably that's a way for her to get out of the, the loan forgiveness program. So she probably had the smarter idea. <laughs> that's right. When you earn your 12th degree, the first 11 become free. <laughs> All right. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Porthos, whose hobbies are apparently eating cheese and peeing on alien trees, which uh, gets his owner into a little bit of hot water at one point. Yeah. And the only way out of that hot water apparently is to do your hair up in dreadlocks, take your shirt off and cut logs, which was a, a really weird storyline in Enterprise. <laughs> oh, and 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 actually, um, Porthos began began a new hobby. He's actually uh, scuba dives now. Um, he picked that up from a night in sick bay. <laughs> That's true. Yes, he uh, got his own giant vat of broth. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's go on to one more thing here. Uh, this is what you called the hobbyless duo of Reed and Hoshi. Now, I don't know if I agree with you that they have no hobbies. So so tell me, start with Reed. Sure. You feel like Reed doesn't have any hobbies. Right. Well, I mean, pineapples aside, um, I, I think that, I think the, the, I'll just stick with Reed, but he does remind me of Scotty um, from the original series, though Scotty drank and that was his hobby. Um, but, but that he well, it is, came in very handy it, sometimes, it you did. know, when someone tries to take over the ship. Exactly. You, you know, Kirk talks on computers of death. Uh, Scotty just drinks aliens under the table. Um, That's right. Yeah. But but I think Reed was defined by his job. And I, and I think not just Enterprise. I think every Star Trek series and possibly every other <laughs> uh, fiction out there defines characters by their job. And, you know, we each have our job. But that's not who we all are, as we've said, you know, so Reed is this, you know, tactical security guy and what he's doing is free time. I guess he plays with phase pistols and does his, you know, which again, there's nothing wrong with it. Cause again, Scotty in his free time was looking over technical manuals, you know, which I got it, but there's gotta be one more thing 
than that one thing that you do that you do for fun, you know? Right. And so I think that's sort of my thing with with Reed, who, who I, I I I enjoy his character, but that was sort of like there's got to be something else than than explosions. Yeah, I was gonna say his hobby is blowing stuff up. Uh, I was a little bit like Reed when I was a kid. You know, I was uh, bottle rockets and firecrackers were my friend, and uh, I was very eager to find out uh, how many different things in my yard I could blow up with them, uh, much to my mother's chagrin and to the the um, fear of her potted plants. I imagine Reed did a very similar thing himself. Which that actually sounds more like the Boy Scouts that I, that at least the Boy Scouts I know. That actually sounds like what they do. So <laughs> maybe I, I see Reed's hobby as probably being very. Another thing that you had mentioned, you know, before the show was that may, maybe Reed and Hoshi are technical nerds, and I guess maybe that's it. Like I do see Reed as his hobby is studying weaponry and military history and you know his that's what his family background is you know he comes from a family of of naval officers and i think he's just really really interested in that like genuinely very interested in how all of this stuff works and that's what makes him really good at his job uh but that also has kind of become his hobby i guess he was set up with a few other things that could have made him more interesting in the series bible but those didn't really get developed on the show, which was the other question, you know, was this just the result of a lack of character development? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think this kind of sends a, a negative message that, you know, when Reed's the most interesting, when he's totally drunk and like, no, that's not, that's not, <laughs> it's not kids. No, it's not true. <laughs> but, you know, so that was kind of like, I don't know, maybe his, his, his uh, hobby is family avoidance. Um, family avoidance as a hobby. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 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 anyone getting to know him better because <laughs> because he certainly was <laughs> was definitely uh, in minefield. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I'm not good with episode titles. Um, yeah, when, when the, the captain's trying to like tell me something personal about you, Reed. I'm, right. I'm sorry, sir. That's no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he was just very uncomfortable with someone who's higher up than him. So the the other hobby that I think he has that is revealed on the show, but you really need to be paying attention is I think his hobby is looking at T'Pol's bum. So he's a creepster. That's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going anywhere with that because there's a whole bunch of things. So, uh, does he have a secret blog, a Tumblr? D- don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> Reed has a space Tumblr and it's all just pictures of T'Pol. You know, well, he does, he does operate the security cameras. I don't, you know, I don't, that's, that's all, that's all I can say. Oh man. It'll be like Odo <laughs> where they say, where, where they're asked, he's asked, you know, I hope you don't have one of these cameras in my quarters and Odo's like, well, do I need to? <laughs> <laughs> it's got the whole, whole place bugged. So. Well, well and, and, and I will do a shout out for Reed because Again, being a technical nerd is cool because, you know, when you're doing your job, whatever it is, Starfleet or real life, you don't often have time to think about it. You're doing it. And so, you know, Reed actually does, you know, for fun is thinking it like, what would happen if we had some sort of alert that that right. kind of started everything, the phasers and the shields and the 
what would we call it? Roller. I'll think of it later. (laughs) That was a nice little joke that they threw in Mm -hmm. to the show there. The read alert. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about Hoshi as the last thing here. And kind of similar to read. Like, we really don't know much about her. I mean, she's obviously into languages. I talked about Flocked wanting to learn more and more about different cultures. And that's how Hoshi is on Earth. You know, she's interested in other cultures. She talks about having the pen pal when she was a kid that got her interested in languages. And she's really, really good at her job. She's really good at what she does. We don't really get to learn much else about her over the course of the show and what she might be interested in. Yeah, because in a oh, episode titles is always dangerous territory for me. Two days and two nights. That mm-hmm. was called. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. what, what's she going to do for fun? On Riza. Yeah. Talk about languages. Yes. Well, that's what you do every day. I mean, it, it makes sense for her character. So I'm not arguing that that's not a good choice, but it's like, what do you do? That's not involving languages. Um, but, but yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, I think the, I know you already did the Hoshi episode, but I think the interesting thing about Hoshi is that in Broken Bow for like the 15 minutes, 10 minutes that we see, like to me, I think there's a different Hoshi. Like there's an earth yeah. Hoshi. She's a teacher. I mean, she's not like, in order to be a teacher, you can't be a wilting flower, you know, to be a successful one. And she definitely looked like she knew what she was doing there in, in South America. Um, but then, you know, I, you know, in space, I know it's different, you know, cause it's for her anyway. But like, I, there is definitely more to that character, and I know we've you've talked about it here on Warp Five. But but yeah, there's there's definitely more there. Yeah, there is, and that's why it's a real shame that they didn't develop the character more often. Um, I, it just turned into the the triumvirate, you know. It mm-hmm. turned into the to the Archer trip to Pole show, which is kind of it's understandable in a way, but uh, they could have done more with characters like Hoshi, uh, you know, we, we can kind of, we can guess that maybe martial arts were one of her hobbies because we do know that she is, is into martial arts. She's very skilled. I believe she has a black belt in fact. And, and that's something that's definitely a hobby, you know, that, that you, that you do. I mean, you would get training at the Academy. Yes. But I, I, I took it as that's something that she had done over the years more as a hobby, like the way Harry Kim was into his music and, and would we and say, would we say that she's a cook? See, I don't know. I was just thinking about that right now, and I don't know because in that episode, she makes miso soup. Now, miso soup is just an absolute staple food in Japan. It's like rice. I mean, if you have a meal, you, you have soup, and it's generally miso soup. And so the fact that she makes that didn't really indicate to me that she was actually into cooking. It's just something that you may... I mean, it's it's like for Americans making a grilled cheese sandwich. You know, it's like just one of those really quick things that you can throw together in a minute, and it's kind of like a comfort food. And, like, everybody knows how to make it. It's not difficult. Well, so, Chris, so I don't know. I'm going to have to translate that, Chris, because I'm a single guy. You mean it's like Kraft mac and cheese when you get the thing, put the water <laughs> in the thing, and you put it in the microwave, and you press the button, and then you have mac and cheese? Is that, is that what right. it's like? The one in the narrow blue box with the powdered cheese, uh, not yeah. the fancy one with the creamy cheese. Oh, come on. Yeah. What, what is this? You're going to waste your money? Oh, come <laughs> on. I'll tell you what. Yes. Yeah. 
So I don't know if she likes to cook or not. You know, it's um, if you wanted to get stereotypical, uh, you know, one of her hobbies might have been tea. You know, maybe she see maybe that was a missed opportunity. Hoshi and Paul doing tea ceremony together. There you go. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. We don't know much about about Hoshi. So so the, those are all the characters. Those are their hobbies. That's how they spend their time on the ship. Uh, I am amazed, Philip, at how long we talked about this today. Well, you know, having in our show Earl Grey, we can talk about things for hours at a time. So, so I'm glad to either have added that or ruined your podcast with that ability. <laughs> I will let the listeners decide. It was a fun topic. I like to have lighthearted topics like this from time to time and just exploring, you know, these little moments in the episodes that you don't necessarily pick up on or you don't think about them after the fact because they really have nothing to do most of the time with the actual storyline of the episode and what you remember it for. But they definitely add the flavor and uh, the seasoning, if you will, as yeah. we're talking about whether or not Hoshi's a cook. Hopefully, to, hopefully to we weren't too salty about it. Right. We weren't too salty <laughs> about it. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think we may have been a little bit zesty at times though. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Philip, good topic choice today. It's been fun talking about the hobbies of the NX01 crew, but it's not the only thing we've been talking about here on the network this week. So here are some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Montgomery Scott. It's really just there to tell a story that they couldn't tell with Kirk or Spock or McCoy. This is true. An episode where Kirk is framed for the murder of a hooker would be... Right. Awesome. Completely different. It would be awesome, but... Earl Grey. Ships of TNG Part 2. Commander Riker, why would you protect the inferior (laughs) ship? I want its treasure. I want the other ship. Darren, how long have you been keeping that one in your pocket? You yeah, not I like tell that. us. That was good. Do a <laughs> the ready room. Scientific method. She tells the the the, guy, the woman that comes on the bridge, and she's like, "Well, it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to drive into these stars. It's going to be great." Like it's like <laughs> I'm just like the orb. Till death do us part. His are, are are very quizzical in nature. They they're of the scientist. They're of the somebody who. Who is willing to accept? Okay, where? What is this reality? What's going on? She's just all like, "Tell me what to do right now." You know, like, she, right? She, there's nothing spiritual about her. To the journey. One versus doctor's orders. I was working full time on top of being a full time student, and I listen. I don't, I don't want to hear your excuses. Okay, I don't want to hear them. <laughs> Like life was happening, and a great man once told me, "If something's important to you, you make the time." Warp five. Undeveloped enterprise stories. But the idea here is that Porthos would become intelligent and would be the only member of the crew capable of communicating with a canine alien. So even Hoshi apparently couldn't figure out this dog language. Commentary: Trek stars. Ball Shimera. I, I loved. I'd love to see an X Files one shot with Scully and and the hookers. With you know? Scully and the hookers, yeah. that's a great name for a band. Call it Scully and the hookers. <laughs> Melodic tracks. Five musical favorites. You know, I don't completely hate 
the opening theme. I, I just really think that Archer's theme should be the opening credits. Continuing mission. Star Trek Axelar with Alec Peters. That's what we posit. We say it makes sense that at this point, we know it's from from TOS. They're not integrated, so our crews are not integrated. And and we make a point of that. We don't avoid it. We make a point of it. And in Prelude to Axanar, they talk about that. Literary Treks. IDW Alien Spotlight, Part 1. Well, Chris, it's okay, because they can see the Romulans from their house. That's right. So... From space, you know, you betcha. You know, and that's okay. I can see the Romulans from my uh, from my starship. It's gonna be fine. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and get your daily Trek Talk fix. We have a new Trek Talk for you every day of the week, and you'll find them in a wide variety of places, including on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can download or stream from the website. And I mentioned iTunes, and if you head over to iTunes and you go to Trek FM there, you'll find our new home in the iTunes store, which is a full site. We now have an artist page in iTunes. We can group our shows however we want. We can highlight episodes, and we're going to be changing that regularly, putting new groupings up for you. We also have many, many subpages for different series and topics. We have 19 pages altogether in iTunes right now. So definitely go check that out, and we hope you'll enjoy this new way to find our content there in the iTunes store. Now, if you'd like to send us some feedback about the show today or anything about Enterprise or Star Trek, you can do that by going to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5, and that will come to us by email. And you can send us a voicemail through the website, or you can go to our forums at trek.fm slash forums to talk to us and other listeners about Warp 5, about Enterprise, anything related to Star Trek. You'll find it going on there. And if social media is your thing, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And on Twitter, where we're always tweeting away about Star Trek under username trekfm. Now, Philip, when you're not sipping your Earl Grey and, uh, you know, trying to think up the next great hobby that you're going to get the whole crew interested in, where can people find you? Well... They can find me on Twitter, and my handle there is at NC, like North Carolina, NC Public Servant, and they can tell me um, why Eastern-style North Carolina barbecue is the best and only barbecue there is. (laughs) Oh, man, we're going to start a barbecue (laughs) flame war in the Trek FM forums. Yeah, that's actually what I missed in the Enterprise series was the season four barbecue war. Which we, we heard about a lot, <laughs> never got to see it. Absolutely. And then, of course, here on the network, as we've mentioned many times throughout the show today, you're on Earl Grey along with Daniel Prue and Darren Moser, and you guys talk about the next generation every week. Yes. And I should also mention that you're on the ready room with me quite often as well to talk about TNG and Voyager more often than not, right? That's right. Yeah, because I, I, I love all Star Trek because Star Trek is not my hobby. It's my way of life, and that's why I'm <laughs> proud to be part, because I also write articles on the Trek FM site as well. So That's so, right. Uh, all things Trek. Great articles, in fact. You coined our phrase, Badmiral, which has become just a mainstay across all shows on Trek FM now. <laughs> yes. 
So if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter as well. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that same username, as well as on my personal website at cbrianjones.com. And then elsewhere on the network, you can find me, as I just mentioned, on the Ready Room, joined sometimes by Philip and also other hosts from all over the network and special guests as we talk about Star Trek news and all five live action series each week. And then I do Literary Treks with Matthew Rushing, where we talk Star Trek books and comics and interview authors. Uh, Philip, you're responsible for a bit on there as well. You love to judge those books by the cover. (laughs) That's right. Philip kept telling Matthew and me that you can't judge a book by its cover. And then that became a whole segment on the show. So that's Literary Treks. And then Matthew and I also do The Orb together, where we talk about Deep Space Nine every week just like we talk about Enterprise Hero on Warp 5. And also I do Continuing Mission, which is all about fan series and independent productions. I've had some great interviews on there with Doug Drexler, Alec Peters, um, James Kerwin, Chris White from Star Trek Continues. Lots of great stuff coming up there as well. And then I also have Matterstream, which is mostly interviews as well and is about things that are loosely related to Star Trek or inspired by Star Trek. So check out all of those shows if you're interested. Before I let you go, I'd also like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, Audible.com. Audible is the best source for audiobooks that you'll find online. And they have over 150,000 titles for you to choose from right now, and they add hundreds of new titles every week. They have bestsellers, current releases, classics. They have lots of Star Trek books as well. Some of my favorites, like Prime Directive Federation and Spock's World, they, in fact, Philip, do have Q Squared that we talked about in the show today. Uh, a really great book there. And you can get any book you like absolutely free as a Trek FM listener just for trying Audible. And the way you do that is to go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up for a trial. You can choose any book absolutely free. And if at the end of the trial you decide not to stick with Audible, there's nothing to lose because you get to keep that book. But by trying Audible, you'll be helping us keep our shows coming to you each week. So go check it out at audibletrial.com slash trekafilm. You're absolutely going to love it, I promise. And we really thank Audible for their support of Warp 5 and the network. We also want to invite you to check out Andrew Allen's album, Smooth Federation. Philip, it's your first time on Warp 5, so I have to ask you this. Do you love or do you hate the theme song to Enterprise? I love the first theme song to Enterprise. I'm not a fan of the jazzed up, yippee, let's go watch some Enterprise second version. version. Yeah. 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 No, no, I, I, don't, I mean, you know, bubble. no, I, I, I like it. I like, uh, I like the, the kind used in the series. I like the original Rod Stewart. I like the, the, the one you play here in Smooth, uh, Smooth Federation. I, I, love, I, love, I, love, I love it all because I've got to have faith of the heart. well i like it as well i am with you though i do like the season one season two version better than the pepped up version in season three and four but you know you know when ratings are falling uh, you know pepping up the music always works yeah that works so let's do that but what andrew's done here as anyone listening to the show knows because we play it every week is to create a really nice smooth jazz version and he's done that for nine other pieces of music from across the Star Trek franchise. And you can pick up this album in iTunes or on Amazon. It's a really great album, so go check it out and see what Andrew's done there. Really nice work with the Star Trek music. 
One last thing you can do to help us keep the show coming to you each week is to make a donation to the network. Our shows are free for you to download, but they're not free for us to produce. And your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring everything to you each week. And if you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find different contribution levels to choose from, as well as some original alien illustrations as a thank you for your donations. So go check it out, see what's right for you. And again, your support does help us keep all the shows coming each week. That's at trek.fm slash donate. And we really thank you for helping us keep the network going. Philip, thanks for sitting in with me on Warp 5 this week, and thanks for picking a fun topic. I really did have fun talking about it today. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Chris. And so does this stuff just wash off from the decon chamber, or I don't... (laughs) No, no. You you need to get someone to come over and and help you rub it off. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. It was great being here on the NX01. Now we go back (laughs) to the land of nice carpet. Nice carpet and, and wooden banisters and... Everything's nice and shiny and pretty and smells good over there. But that's not the case here. But I hope you enjoyed it anyway, everyone. Thanks for listening. And join us again next week here in the Decon Chamber for another episode of Warp 5. 